0: O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That is Psalm 8, which along with Psalm 47 of the Psalms appointed for today, May the 13th, 2021, which we celebrate this year, as Ascension Day, as it's 40 days after the Resurrection. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm John Green, and I'm your host. Thanks for being with me today. We are indeed celebrating the Feast of the Ascension today. and It's a feast that's frequently overlooked in the Church, but it, not, it should not be. It's an essential part of all things. What we have is... It's easy to overlook two different things, and it sounds silly once you hear it to hear me say that, But, but we tend to overlook a couple of things because we focus so much on some things. We can focus a little bit on the virgin birth, and then it seems we skip forward most of the time all the way to the cross, and then we go from there to the resurrection, and then We kind of give short shrift to the ascension and then focus more on Pentecost. But there's two things that are missing, and one of those things is the ascension of Jesus. And the other is the life of Jesus. And I think both of those are in view in our lessons today. Um, The incarnation is itself a wonderful thing, but Jesus' life is also a wonderful and an important thing. That he lived, that he suffered, that he died, that he had joy, that he did things. All that matters. And it matters because... As the writer of Hebrews is going to tell us, our lives matter. And the fact that Jesus not only took on flesh but lived a life and suffered tells us that our lives and our suffering are important to him. But the ascension has its own place, and that place is simply that it's there that he goes to, and, and the atonement for sin is complete because his sacrifice is received there at the throne of God, when John sees a lamb looking like it was slain. After being told, behold, the Lion of Judah. And he looks, and he sees the lamb looking like it was slain. But that lamb, looking like it was slain, at that moment, receives the scrolls from the one seated on the throne, and then takes his place At the right hand of God so this lamb looking like it was slain is the one who has atoned for sin he has been resurrected from the dead but the important next step is to be seated at the right hand of God and he does so appears before the throne as the lamb looking like it was slain but it just looked like it was slain it died, but it was raised from the dead. And so the ascension plays an essential role because that's where Jesus is now, interceding for us sinners before the throne. And so it's it's important for us that he be ascended, that there be that happen before his coming again, because this life is more bearable largely because Jesus is before the throne interceding for us sinners here on earth. <clears throat> Ezekiel in this vision here that we have today for verse 14 and then verses 24 to 28b shows us a scene in heaven and what he sees is these living creatures moving to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning and when they went I heard the sound of their wings like the sound of many waters like the sound of the Almighty a sound of tumult like the sound of an army it's a fearsome noisy thing that he hears there and when they stood still they let down their wings and so that brings quiet and stillness because the sound of the wings is what produced that other sound and so they stood still when they come into place they let down their wings and then a voice came from above the expanse All is still and all is silent and over the expanse of their heads there's the likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire and seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance and upward from what had the appearance of his waist i saw as it were gleaming metal like the appearance of fire enclosed all around and downward from the waist i saw as it were the appearance of fire and there was a brightness around him like the appearance of the bow that's in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. And so remember that in, in Revelation 4, what you have is the adoration around the throne of God with the, with the elders throwing down their crowns and all those things and ascribing power and glory and honor and might to the one seated on the throne who receives that praise as the only one in the universe who is worthy. And then in Revelation 5, you get the scene that I shared with you a minute ago about him appearing before the throne as a lamb looking like it was slain. And then suddenly, once he takes the scroll from the one seated on the throne, all of heaven erupts in exactly the same worship for the lamb looking like it was slain. It ascribes to him the same glory and honor and power and might that had previously ascribed to the one seated on the throne and so in doing it confirms that he also is god and he also is worthy of this praise and so he hears the the voice of one speaking and the voice of the one who is speaking is clearly jesus Because he's in human form in that place so all of heaven is silent and still before him as these living creatures have come to a standstill around the throne and then the voice of one speaking comes from that throne it's a powerful powerful image to imagine heaven being silent and the voice coming from the throne The voice that Paul heard when Paul says who are you and the voice from heaven says I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting the ascension means a great deal it's the fulfillment of the vision of Ezekiel it's the fulfillment of the end of Matthew's gospel that we're looking at today the eleven disciples go to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had told them to go to. And they got there and they saw him and they worshipped him. But it said some doubted. They didn't know. They had they weren't sure about these things. Was it too good to be true? It was still the order of the day. And then Jesus came to them there and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus promises, or first here, he says, authority, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Well, that was sort of what Satan seemed to be promising him there when he was tempted in the wilderness. And he wouldn't receive it. No, he receives it not from Satan. He receives it from the Father. And so now he has authority and he's delegating it to his disciples and telling them, go and make disciples of all nations. In other words, he's the king of all nations. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And so he is the king of all nations. And what he's saying is, go extend the kingdom and tell the people who live in the kingdom what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom make disciples of all nations not just some nations all nations because all authority has been given to him baptize them in the name of the father and of the son and the holy spirit so that they will know who the king is they will know this triune god they will be baptized in his name and that's the citizenship papers that you possess is that baptism in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, teach them to observe all the commandments that I've given you. Teach them what it means and what it looks like to be citizens of the kingdom. And kingdoms have rules, they have laws, they have commandments. And so he says, go teach those people. You guys are my disciples, but you're also the people to whom I've given the keys to the kingdom. You're the ones that I send out because you know, because I discipled you. Now go disciple them. Teach them what it means to be a citizen of my kingdom. Teach them about the king. Baptize them in the name of the king. That's their passport. And then he says the most important thing. Behold, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Because if he's not going with us and he's not doing the work that he's given us to do, if he's not sending his Holy Spirit ahead of us so that when we proclaim, people can hear and they can respond, then we have no hope. It's a useless kind of a thing for us to go out and do that without the power of the Holy Spirit and without the presence of, of Christ among us as we go about the work that he's given us to do. And so while he may be on the throne, his presence is among us through the power of the Holy Spirit, whom he sends on the day of Pentecost as he sends them out. And the the new work begins of proclaiming the kingdom of God established in Jesus. And so it's up to us to accept that authority, to believe that he has actually been given the authority in heaven and on earth and then to go and do the work that he's given us to do and we walk out in faith when we do that we walk out in faith believing all that he says but we walk out in faith also believing that as we do that particular work he is with us in all that we do then the writer of hebrews goes on to say why jesus is the one he says, it's not angels that God subjected the world to come of which we're speaking. It's been testified somewhere. What is man? You're mindful of him of the son of man that you care for him. You've made him for a little while lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. And, and what the writer is saying is is that that, is, that passage from Psalm 8 is not talking about David who wrote it as he was in the fields with the sheep. No, they're saying the son of man in particular here, is Jesus. And he says, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. At, at present, we don't see everything in subjection to him, but we see him for a little while, who who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. So it, it, it's death. His death on the cross, the sacrificial death of the the perfect, unblemished, spotless Lamb that makes Him worthy of receiving that glory and honor because He persevered through the end in faith that if He did these things, then sin would be atoned for. For it was fitting that He... For whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That's why he's not ashamed to call them brothers. It's an uncomfortable thing in some ways, and it should be at least, (laughs) for us to consider ourselves that Christ is our brother. But it's what he said. You're no longer servants. And and so he has made us adopted heirs with him as children of God, as brothers and sisters, not just of one another, but also of Christ. He says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery, as though once we no longer have to fear death, we can be freed from that slavery. Because we are. Because we can point ourselves beyond the grave. We can think beyond that. We don't just have a fond hope or desire that we can overcome the grave and that there's something as eternal life. We know it. Because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It's an amazing thing to marvel with David What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? And then he goes on to look at the stars and everything else. And he sees the insignificance of man in the grand scheme of things from a worldly perspective. But at the same time, what he sees is, is is that not in God's perspective is that true. We are the most important things in the universe. Because we're created in the image of God and we were given dominion over all things, over all of his creation. And, and if we didn't realize that we were created in the image of God, then what we can see in Jesus in the incarnation is the glory of man. But it also allows us to see the fall of man through the life of Jesus, that we are unworthy, even though we're created in the image of God through sin. Jesus showed us what it meant to truly be a child of God. One who keeps all the commandments and sets his kingdom above all other things. And in so doing, he received that kingdom from the Father. He could have received them from Satan, but Satan only has possession of them temporarily until Jesus comes back to take over those kingdoms. So there's an appearance of control in the hands of Satan, but that's a temporary situation and so he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the people for because he himself was suffered when tempted he is able to help those who are being tempted do we trust that do we believe that well he's seated at the right hand of God they saw him ascend into the clouds at the end of Matthew's gospel John, in the Revelation in chapter 5, shows us what happens after he ascended into the clouds. And that he has ascended to that place means that he now intercedes for us. But also sends his spirit so that we can complete the work that he's given us to do. Those two things are incredibly important for us as Christians. And we should celebrate those things this day.